Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey Podcast for the Faithful. I'm David Staples with the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I'm I'm well. How are you? I'm kind of bummed out tonight, David. I'm yeah, with such a, such a great comeback, hey, Bruce. Such a great comeback, and mm. just almost you know a night to remember for Oilers fans, and now it's just another night of despair. Kind of well. Might be too strong a word. Depends on how ego ego involved you are with the team attached to it. But it was very that was tough to take. That was tough to take. Although Bruce, according to our scoring chance data, um, the better team did win tonight. Yep. The King had the Kings had 21 uh, grade A shots on net, mm-hmm. and the Oilers had 13. Mm-hmm. The Kings, uh, you know, so that's uh, the shots that have uh, more than 20 percent chance of going in. When it comes to the very best of those shots, the subset of five alarm shots, the Kings had 13 shots like that, and the Oilers had eight. So that those shots have a 33% plus chance of going in. And um, the Kings were dominant in both of the key shot categories, grade A shots and five alarm shots. And um, yeah, the Oilers, some individual brilliance, I'm going to say hold the back yep. of that game but the kings were the better team for the second night and second game in a row the kings were the better team and the orders need a better effort out of a lot of players in some significant ways um if they're going to win the next two games and advance in the playoffs this is our two good things two bad things and two numbers podcast bruce we'll start it off with you what um well, let's go in the order of the game, actually, to kind of give okay. a little narrative structure to the podcast, and we'll start with the bad thing because I know what your bad thing is. What what is the bad thing that you had in mind? For? The bad thing is, and yet another wretched start from the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, a a team it flummoxes me, David, how they can't pay attention to this detail. Be ready for the start of the GD hockey game. Man, they had trouble with this for about 60 games for the season. It seemed like they finally had it figured out down the stretch. In this series, game after game, the Kings have come out and totally got the jump on the Oilers. Tonight, the shots were 16-5 in the first period, making the count for the series. What's that, 85 for the Kings and 47 for the Oilers? It's like almost a 2-to-1 ratio, 17 shots per first period. That's like a 51 shots against per game, which is wretched. And it's like five different games, but it's the same part of each game. And each game, the Kings come flying out of the gate. And each game, the Oilers are going, oh, we're surprised. Maybe we should just dump the puck back to them over and over and over again. And if we're lucky, we'll dump it into the neutral zone, and they can come flying back at us from center instead of just keeping the zone pressure on. But they just weren't ready to go. David, I would have bet, if I were a betting man, I've already written this in my header, I would have bet anything that the orders would have been ready to go tonight. And if I were a betting man, I would be a broke man because they were not ready to go tonight. And by the five-minute mark of the first period, the shots were 6-0 LA and the score was 1-0 LA in a series where the first goal has been the thing. Like, no lead changes in the entire series. Every team that scored first has just gone on to win, (sighs) never trailed. And there's been a couple ties, and there was a couple ties tonight, but ultimately... That falling behind in the early deficit and all the energy they had to expend to pull back in the game. And then uh, I guess 
just to extend the point, a wretched start to overtime. And here's the good news. Wretched starts in overtime don't last very long. <laughs> One minute was and 12 not, seconds of playing chase and it was over. That was not good news. Like I was, I was settling in for that long overtime and I just was thinking, yeah, maybe the order of skill, you know, the individual brilliance that got them back in the game will win the game yeah. for them. And, and, um, but not to be, there was individual brilliance, but it wasn't on the part mm-hmm. of the orders. It was uh, Adrian Kempe who scored an absolutely fantastic goal. Great rush down the wing. And mm-hmm. um, to give him credit, like it really was a tremendous play. Um, I wish Smith had done the old poke check there. Bruce. Um, quick did, huh? Yeah. Yeah, again, Mike Smith is the second best goalie. He, he And he was, and he had a lot more action than quick, right? We've already mm-hmm. enunciated that. And I don't think, I'm not blaming Mike Smith. And that was a tough play on the on the winning goal because Kempe had the option of putting it over his shoulder, which kind of you don't want to go for the poke check thing because the, the guy can put it if he's that wide open on the break in, he can put it up over you. So that inhibits you from making that kind of play. Mm. I agree, Bruce. That first period was um, <laughs> what is going on? What is going on? What is going on? And the first goal against just made my head hurt, which mm-hmm. leads into my bad thing. Okay. Um, I really thought uh, Drysaddle's line in the defensive zone was totally out of sync. And finally, like I'm a big proponent of breaking up McDavid and Drysaddle, put them on their own lines and make them responsible for it. Well, by the by the end of the second period when Leon was minus three and arguably culpable on all three goals against to some extent, I was I was glad to see him on the wing with McDavid because that line was not working at all. No, it wasn't. was just his fault. Nope. Ryan McLeod um, was, was had a rough game. And, um, I mean, there's the penalty that he took. But on the first goal against, um, uh, he's back. There's a, there's a kind of a rush up the ice down the boards. And McLeod's back in kind of the F1 spot. And he just kind of gives this big loop and heads back up the ice. And in this play, which kind of, hits the Oilers net, there's a save, and then co- goes back out to the point, and there's a point shot. Between between Dreisaitl and, um, and uh, McLeod, oh. they never figured out. They never figured <clears throat> out who was supposed to, who was supposed to be covering the, um, who was supposed to be covering the goalie. In, in they, theory, yeah, it's the, the point. It's the winger, in theory, but. Yeah, well, except Someone's F1 if it's McLeod, you know, so Leon lost a battle on the wall there. And um, as they're coming down, he and Keith lost the battle on the wall. So my bad thing is actually Leon's in this game. Leon's defense of veteran center, his defense, and Duncan Keith, his defense. And on this one, uh, on this, the first goal, Stetcher's goal, Keith was there screening the goalie. And it was kind of the least of the mistakes that he made on goals against. But it was definitely screening the goalie and and that makes it that makes it very hard for the uh, for the goalie. But McC- it, like it's a wide open point shot because McLeod doesn't get out there in, in time and very frustrating. Uh, the next play that there's a mistake on is the Kings' second goal between Drysdale and Keith. Is um, Keith just throws the puck? He, it's they've been out on the ice a long time and they're tired by then mm-hmm. and. Um, he gets the puck, and instead of making the safe pass up the boards, Kane's right there, Evander Kane's uh, uh, at the blue line. Duncan Keith mm-hmm. decides to throw it up the middle of the ice, and it gets picked off, and they go in and they score. 
And um, the next goal, um, it's Kulak mm-hmm. who does that, throws it up the middle, and um, they score. And on both those goals, Leon was, as the as he was heading one way, he was F1. He was supposed to work with the defenseman to advance the puck. As the puck's going, as, as they're turning it over, he's shooting up ice, and the puck's going the other way. So it was a very kind of aggressive offensive play by Leon, not cautious defensive play on, mm-hmm. on either one. And I think the second one, he was more obviously culpable than on the... Um, excuse me, on the second of those two turnover goals between Keith and Kulak's turnovers, which were the main problems on those goals. But I would just like to see Leon take care in the defensive zone. I just think there's not enough awareness, concentration on his part at this point. I'm seeing it from McDavid, honestly. I'm seeing that effort to take care of his own zone, cover his man, play fundamental defense. And I didn't sense that from from Drysaddle tonight. And um, I think it cost the team. Then we finally get to the winning goal. And again, it's Duncan Keith. He um, he just gets beat by Kempe wide. You know, the gray beard with the, his feet weren't fast enough. And Kane made an earlier mistake, obviously. Kane's mistake is the biggest, probably the biggest mistake because he just misses the puck. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't miss that puck, it's a bobbling puck. If he doesn't miss that puck, if he gets it in to their end, there's no trouble. So then there's this quick, turnover kind of play and McDavid tries to make the play and Kempe just bulls past him. It was a tough play for McDavid to make, but I think Keith should have made that play. He was in position to defend uh, Kempe and he got beat by a bigger, faster player, younger player. He didn't come close. And I'm saying that's on Duncan Keith. Maybe you could argue that the biggest mistake was on Keith on that one. But so uh, like on two of the goals, Keith was the primary culprit. And um, they brought him in to win games like this. Oh. And he hasn't played. He's he's played okay, maybe even good. He's played good hockey, strong hockey in some ways up until now. This wasn't good or strong on those those defensive plays. Key mistakes that really hurt the Oilers. Neither was Sunday good for the pairing of Keith and Bouchard. <laughs> and uh, so uh, tonight, I mean, we had him screening... Uh, Smith on the first goal, and it was actually the second goal that Kempe scored from the circle. Uh, first of all, Keith's pass got intercepted just outside the blue line. They came pouring back. This is something that happened off in this game where when the Oilers did get it out, it was barely out and was coming right back at him. And on that one, he came over and tried to block Kempe's shot, and instead it caught the back of his skate. That's and, right. And it handcuffed uh, Keith. Uh, commentators on TV didn't never catch that. There's a couple things they never caught, um, but they never caught that um, uh, that puck went off a key skate. Of course, you and I are going back looking at it, slowing it down and stuff, and a couple of angles, it's pretty obvious that Smith's, it's actually Keith's trailing skate that it goes off, and it's, you know, bad luck, but uh, ultimately he got beat on that one. And then on the game winner, uh, they started the overtime, and this is a question that's already been asked of Jay Woodcroft, and it needs to be asked. How the hell come are you starting overtime with a defense pair that you haven't used before in uh, Brett Kulak and uh, Duncan Keith? And they played the whole 72 seconds of overtime. They never got off, of course, because it was a long change, and the orders never got the bloody puck over center the whole time. So how was the hell nurse hurt? Change the defenseman. Well, he was hurt 
earlier in the game he went to the room but he played 26 and a half minutes david and he was you know he made a big defensive play in the dying seconds of regulation but he didn't start the overtime and uh Keith Kulak, for whatever reason, it wasn't Bouchard. They, you know, they didn't want a defensive mistake, I guess. <sighs> and Keith was sort of second guy in on as the puck went around on the cycle. LA just kept winning it along the boards and bumping it along. And there's, you know, a lot of that. There's nothing any one player can do when they keep it on the perimeter. But uh, what he did do, I'm sure, is get tired. And then he had make nothing any sense, left Bruce. to stop Kempe. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Keith that Kulak, what? Yeah. What are they doing? Because they have I, CC, Bouchard, yeah. and Barry. Like they have yeah. three right. Did a right yeah, defense yeah, get hurt? Was were, were they missing a right defenseman on the bench? We'd you'd have to check, I guess, and look because, I mean, you'd want you'd think you'd go with CC, right? He's your best right yeah. defenseman. He's you your best defensive CC defenseman. Nurse, you? Yeah, yeah, you would, Bruce. You would. Well, yeah. maybe there's an explanation. There, there must be because. You're, one of those right defensemen must have been injured because I don't think you do that otherwise. It doesn't make any sense. The explanation was that that's what they felt was the best that they could do in that situation. And obviously, whatever the hunch was, it blew up in their faces big time because those guys couldn't win any physical <laughs> battles and they couldn't move the puck out. And <clears throat> when they did move it, I would have came right back at them and, and Keith was simply overwhelmed by uh, Adrian Kempe. So... And so, I mean, the difference between, I mean, you you, you uh, point out Drysaddle and Keith's mistakes. At least Drysaddle did something at the other end of the ice, right? Like he got three he points. Sure, no denying that. He was, he was fantastic. I mean, in two, third two period, sp- once they put him on the wing with McDavid, which is the last thing I kind of expected to see, but it, tonight it was appropriate. That move was a good one because Leon's line was floundering, and he was too. And so uh, getting reassigned like that, and he and McDavid caught fire. And I thought, really, they both should have had three points in the third, but they scored the one unassisted shorthanded goal because the defenseman whacked at um, David's pass across the goal mouth oh. and whacked it towards Drysaddle, and he pounded it in, so they said it was... I see. Anyway, it was uh, McDavid created that goal, and he created the other goals, but we'll talk about him in a bit. Uh, you know, at least Leon came alive offensively. I mean, there's not much offense in uh, in Duncan Keith's game at this point. And when he was on the ice tonight, the Oilers were outshot 16 to six and outscored three to zero. Yeah, he had a, him as responsible on each of the three goals. That's a pretty tough night. It's a two or a three grade for that for that yep. kind of performance. I'm deciding between those two numbers as we speak. Yeah. Um, I, I'd be okay with either Bruce. Um, mm-hmm. uh, let's go to the bad thing or you, or excuse me, we did the bad thing. Let's go to now to the good thing. What's you, what, what, what is your, uh, good thing, Bruce? Well, I have to go with the third period comeback and I mean, credit, I was going to say the whole team, but parts of it were riding the pine. I have yet to go through the ice time any detail to see who didn't play at all in the third period, but I can tell you a few guys who didn't play much. Uh, and that included uh, Yesipul Yarvi, uh, Zach Cassian, uh, Warren Fogel that barely saw the ice in the, in the third. They shortened the bench and, and uh, um, McDavid particularly, uh, and McDavid's line particularly took over the, the game and Somewhere in there, the Oilers found time to take three or four penalties. 
and uh, <laughs> or four penalties, I guess. Uh, there was a two-man short, and there was uh, oh man. Anyway, it was um, it was uh, just just a second. Uh, no, Kane? I guess it, yeah, they started the period short-handed because Kane and Cassian were in the box uh, after the uh, second. And then uh, McDavid took a tripping penalty, and while he was off, Ryan McLeod took a double minor. So they had to kill like seven minutes of penalties in the third period. And somewhere out of there, they managed to score three goals despite sort of only 13 minutes of of uh, having five players on the ice. So it, uh, it was astonishing. It was. It was an astonishing comeback. It really was, and uh, you know, brilliant playing by their two best players. The whole game, David, was out of control. And even that comeback, you know, I mean, it was it was thrilling, exhilarating hockey. Uh, but I never got the sense that Edmonton was in control. Like, every time the puck went the other way, they were they were scrambling and uh, not, not very successfully. And Smith bailed them out two or three times in the third period. Well, again, 21 to 13 for it, for the grade A shots for the Kings, right? Like they were just a better team consistently in the game. And, and I had the same feeling, Bruce. Like I was hoping the owners could somehow win in the overtime, but I just, it was, you know, it was more of an individual effort. And and, and my good thing from Connor McDavid, I think specifically, mm-hmm. who who brought the Oilers back into this game. It was a, it was a, one of McDavid's best games. Mm-hmm. He was just, he was just, just so determined to win uh, and against a very tough checking Los Angeles team, you know, the first, the first goal um, comes on a, it's Kulak who puts it in and the, from the point puck hits a Kings player, McDavid gets it. And he's got all this time, it seems in front of quick and he doesn't shoot, which is, so it's very frustrating because he looks like he has a golden opportunity, but he takes it behind the net so quickly that quicks way out of position puts it over to Cassian and Cassian slams it in. And then he makes Cassian makes kind of a facial expression for the ages. Uh, kind of looked like a, a baboon. I think he was, it was just very primal. Put it that way. Cassian's mm-hmm. uh, Cassian's look, but that was just McDavid again, like his incredible skill, you know, he's next scene um, with the Oilers down three to one charging up the ice. Um, no, that's that's come that's 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 uh, no excuse me that's coming a little bit later. This is where he's kind of sashaying around on the power play, I think, and um, puts it over to Drysaddle, who slams it in. Then he's on the short. He scored one himself before that, though, right? Where it was right off the faceoff, and all of a sudden he. Oh, was that's that's what I got. I'm reading. I'm misreading our code. And yeah, he roofed it. Was, yeah, that's it. Drysaddle wins the face off kind of like he pushes it over and then Hyman blocks off his man and McDavid gets it and just absolutely incredible backhand roof shot. Um, what strong wrists McDavid has making that play. Um, just again, like the skill is unreal. Then he's charging down the wing on the penalty kill going a million miles an hour and puts it into the slot. Uh, Kulak makes a hard charge to the net. And uh, Drysaddle makes no mistake. Like, good for Leon. Like, that's who you want shooting the puck in that situation, and he absolutely drains it. Then uh, the the final uh, 
the tying goal for Edmonton, the 4-4 goal, is when McDavid is kind of making all kinds of slick moves with the puck in the corner. On the, he was just on that power play. It was just he was just so uh, charged up. He just took it hard to the net. He's moving around fast with the puck, and finally he um, sets up Drysaddle for the executioner shot, and he Drysaddle slams it home. That, that classic goal. We got to see it again. And um, yeah, he really put the Oilers, you know, the old expression, put the Oilers, his team on his back and carried them mm-hmm. to that 4-4 tie. He was the key player on every single of those four goals, I'm going to suggest. Although Settle's finish on the last goal was, was maybe that, Settle was the key player on the last goal because of, of his finish. But um, just a great, great game from Connor McDavid. And he must... You know, I think right now, Bruce, I th- this is a very determined group of players mm-hmm. and a veteran group of players in a lot of ways. And I, I think they're they're co- they're convincing themselves right now that they're going to win the next game. And I, I think this is there's a distinct possibility where they will win the next two games. I'm I'm down, but I'm not out in terms of looking at this series. I, I think there's they're going to come out next game from the start and take it. I to thought the that tonight. Now they're going to LA, so I think the last game, the shots were first eight shots for the Kings. Tonight was the first six, and you know that's been a story over and over. Uh, to uh, unfortunately for McDavid, who uh, you know he uh, uh, he played his heart out in this game, uh, but unfortunately he was among the victims on the winner on Kempe's game winner. When Kempe went up the boards and McDavid tried to stop him and just wasn't able to to uh, to uh, slow Kempe's momentum. Very tough play for McDavid. It, it was, but uh, you know he kind of had the lose. angle on him and he was on the end of his shift maybe. And uh, I don't suppose Kempe had been out there the entire time. In fact, I'm pretty sure he wasn't because Moore uh, had started overtime and had a great chance right away. So anyway, it was uh, a sour, sour taste to end McDavid's night was to be, you know, among those beaten on the game-winning goal in overtime. I mean, that's, that's uh He was one of the harsh. Mm-hmm. He'll be thinking about that if he just had leaned in a little harder. But Kempe's a big man and a fast man. That was a tough... Mm-hmm. After a turnover, like, you know, when you when you have to suddenly change directions and then you're 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 extending yourself to make the check. Mm-hmm. After the, that kind of turnover, it just throws everybody off. Like they're just you're just out of sorts for, for a second. So we did tag McDavid with a major mistake leading to yeah. a great A shot on the, on that play. And I think that's the right that was the right mm-hmm. call Absolutely. based on our criteria. But Keith, Duncan Keith, man. You know, Bruce, I'm still reeling. I didn't read like um I didn't realize that it was Kulak and Keith on the ice and on that last oh. play. I hadn't um, processed that. They started Those are the, the two guys that made the two big turnovers in the yeah. second period, and they're thinking, "Okay, let's go with those two guys." Yeah. Uh, I don't like that. That's a little too cute, I think. Unless, unless there's an injury that we don't know about, I'm not thinking that's a a brilliant coaching move. <sighs> Yeah, What's I, your number? I, I don't understand it. Uh, my number is 21. Uh, and that's the number of giveaways officially charged to the Oilers in this game. 
and that's just far too many. And they treated the, the puck like a lighted firecracker uh, more than a few times. And I mean, the King's pressure had, had things to do with it, but the Oilers were not really able to cope with that, especially forechecking pressure in their own end. And I mean, the 21 giveaways is just a, a fraction of the turnovers that occurred during this game. A number of which is where they, you know, they dump the puck out of the zone, so it's not officially a turnover, even though they're coughing the puck right back to, to the other team. And I just thought their their puck management uh, needs to be a whole lot better. And uh, this is where you were talking earlier about how determined the Oilers were. Well, if the Oilers were super determined, they wouldn't have made some of the mistakes they made tonight, and they would have showed up for the first period. So I think they've still got some proving to do on the determination front. And if they want to prove they're determined, play 60, 60 and as many more minutes as it takes on Thursday night in Los Angeles because they did not have a 60-minute effort tonight in the biggest game of the season. They did not. Bruce, uh, my number is revolves around one of the role players, Josh Archibald. I really mm-hmm. liked uh, Archibald and Nugent Hopkins at even strength. I mm-hmm. thought Nuge was exceptional on the penalty kill and at even strength. He was he's I, he he really brought his A game and was was involved and making all kinds of great plays. But so was Archibald, and he's giving the orders. He's one of the guys who is giving the orders the kind of intensity that they that they need. He's moving around the ice fast. He's making plays with the puck, fairly sharp plays with the puck often. First period he did. And uh, he had 10 hits. My number is 10. It's a lot of hits. The orders had 42 hits. Mm-hmm. Um, the next highest player had four, and there was a few people tied with four hits. Kane, Yamamoto, who also had some big hits, and um, Kulak. But 10 hits. And some of the lots of those were hard hits, mm-hmm. um, where he's just, you know, the Tasmanian devil going at those guys and bowling them over. So they need that kind of intensity from more hockey players on this team. And um, no more turnovers up the middle of the ice either. Those are just brutal. Those were brutal. Although on the one that Kulak made, you know, there was a controversy whether that should have been icing um, on the play. And... um, you know, Kulak oh. was had position at, at as they were crossing the what is it the line in the ringette line or the not there? No, know, it's the hash marks. The hash marks. And I thought Kulak was ahead of him, and I put a tweet out, and I got some rejoinders from people that say that Kulak, instead of chasing for the puck, stood back up to to try and uh, prevent Athanasio from reaching it. And they do have a point because he was doing that. Uh, That's but true. I th- I thought the the whole thing though was who gets to the hash marks first in your ball. I mean, no Oiler had a chance to play that puck before it got over the goal line. Like he could have been going 100 miles an hour, he wouldn't have reached that puck before it got to the line. So I just thought he win that race. And Smith was angry. Woodcroft on the bench was visibly upset after that goal. But that was the call. And of course, the way the NHL works is that you can uh, challenge offsides now with a micrometer, and there's a Pruder film and and challenge offside, but you can't challenge an icing, which is another routine call made by the same official who makes the offside calls. So that's just the nature of the beast that uh, there's, there's no 
recourse. You just have to accept it. But there was a few pretty puzzled. Uh, Kulak looked very puzzled too on that call. But uh, that was the call that was made. And uh, Andres Athanasiu, I knew he'd heard us at some point in the series. And uh, Oilers gave up two second-round draft picks for that guy and got 11 games out of him and lost him for nothing he went to la divisional rival as a free agent now here he is scoring a crucial goal it's hurting the Oilers bad in a big playoff game the hockey guards are vengeful ah so indeed bruce indeed i'm just looking at the orders lineup and thinking who has to play better and there's hardly a player who really doesn't i mean i i i think like tonight, I, at least from memory, I like Cody. I, I think Cody Cece is just a really solid hockey player, and he's continuing to play solid hockey right now. And Archibald was was effective in his role. Darnell Nurse is clearly playing hurt still, in my my view. He's 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 okay ish, but he's not Darnell Nurse. And um, Leon's been great on the attack, but his defensive play throughout the series has really left me frustrated. You know, Cassian's played well. Cassian's raised his game. Yamamoto um, playing really well. But Pugliarvi and McLeod. Mm. What were you going to say? Well, I mean, here's the thing for Archibald. Uh, I mean, he did make a couple of nice passes in the first period that set up more or less Oilers' only decent chances. So there was that. Yeah, uh, he had zero shot attempts in the game, and the orders were on the short end of shot attempts, shots, um, scoring chances. You know, grade A, high danger chances, one, four, three against while he was out there. I mean, he's he's his play is without the puck, but unfortunately, usually the team doesn't have the puck when he's out there. So that's, I mean, he he does his best, and he certainly laid on the bod and he put it all out there. There's no question about that. But he was, uh, um, he was, uh, you know, to break even is kind of the best you can hope for, as Craig McTavish famously said a number of years ago. Well, he's making an impact though with the physical play, so I and I think that's a really important thing. Kane, Kane, Nugent Hopkins, and McDavid are all, have all been good. I, I really like Kane's physical play, his mm-hmm. nastiness. He got caught on a penalty there, but I, I do like. I do like uh, what he brings in that regard. And Connor McDavid is—he's played his, the, some some of the best hockey of his life in these playoffs. He—I just think he's been fantastic. So um, it's frustrating that he's bringing this, and the team is still not there. It's still not there, Bruce. At, at this point, maybe they'll get there in the next two games, or then they got one game to get there. I guess. Wow, they got one game to get there. So. Alrighty, Bruce. Bruce, well, you got to do the the game grades, eh? So. Yeah, and I'm at a loss even as to how to score some of this, but whatever, we'll just wing it. I mean, it's, it's there was so much happening so fast. It's really hard to get a a real full take on this player or that player. This was a game that was played on the edge almost throughout. There was very few times where you could sort of just say, well, they're they're taking control and they're, you know, they're. D to D, they're working it out. They're, you know, they're, there just wasn't a lot of of 
taking command at the game except for at a million miles an hour. And yeah. Anyway. Well, don't sweat it too much. Just, you know, go mm-hmm. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. throw the old dart at the board and uh Yeah, no the number is not the number the number is just a uh it's just an opinion, a one digit opinion. It's the comments that I try and pay the most attention to, and I have the, the comments will be uh, a little scattered because there's just too much happening too fast to sort of detail uh, what each player did over the course of the game. So, whatever. The main numbers that matter from this game is five to four, and that's the final score of this one. And the uh, bad guys won it, and. Uh, Oilers uh, haven't won an overtime game since uh, David DeHarnay against San Jose Sharks, which also happened to be the last time they won a series. They needed this game. Pretty desperately. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Bruce. Thanks for talking tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.